Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. scenes with Brian and this is Brian and today I am joined by Eric Hoststein. Eric how are you today? I'm doing great Brian thanks for having me. Oh god yeah and uh, we're recording this during the COVID outbreak and how are you how are you handling that are you working remotely? I work from my global headquarters in my home office and I have been doing that since beforehand. Oh okay. so far, no sign of virus in my inner circle. So, uh, so far, so good. Thanks. Yeah, good. Same, same here. Same here. So, Eric, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, and, and maybe your your uh, college career? Yeah, sure. Thanks. So, uh, I like to say it this way: my first real job out of school was in sales. I sold instrumentation to steel mills and aluminum extrusion facilities. My second real job, I did marketing uh, for specialty materials that were used as gasket materials and things like automobiles and um, cell phones and electronics. And then my third real job, I was a product owner on an engineering team for a company that made instrumentation uh, that measures environmental water quality. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, education-wise, I have a bachelor's degree in chemistry, a uh, master's degree in environmental engineering, engineering, where I focused on industrial wastewater treatment, and uh, an MBA. Oh, okay. And it's probably the MBA that got you interested in your current line of work. Yes, I think so. Um, you know, I... I I was frustrated in my first role in the sense of I didn't understand why my company was doing things the way they were, and I thought I must be missing something, and I better go get an education on how to run a business. <laughs> and and you say that you fix sales, marketing, and product product development problems, right. uh, and and your your company is uh, SMP Alignment. What 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 exactly does your company do? Yeah, so it's. The boring way is I'm a, it's a consultancy. Yeah. I'm a sole proprietor, sole proprietor, sorry. Yeah. And the S stands for sales, the M stands for marketing, and the P stands for product. And I live at the intersection of those three disciplines and work on problems that tend to be interconnected. Okay, okay. And uh, how... How is your company unique? How do you set yourself apart from other companies that might be um, marketing firms or uh, more focused on sales? How, how do you help people differently than other people in a similar field? Yeah, so there's there's a lot of similar people to me in the sense of sole proprietors that are out working with business owners to try and help them uh, grow revenue. More often than not, folks focus primarily on the sales piece 
or the marketing piece or in rare instances the the development and product development side of the house mm-hmm. and, uh, what i think is different is how i'm able to cross over all three of those things and like i said tie them together so how do you differentiate sales and marketing what's the difference to you Marketing, for the most part, has to do with, well, let's think about it this way. Uh, for any any business or anyone to do business with anyone, they have to first ultimately decide to do that, right? So that's the last stage. Before they decide, they have to consider, right? They have to think about all the different options that might solve the particular problem or the solution set that might exist. And then before they can even consider, they have to be aware. They have to be aware that you exist. They have to be aware of the problem that they're trying to solve. And they have to be aware of your of your solution. So to my, the way I tend to look at it is that marketing has a lot more focus on the top of that funnel. So the awareness side of things, uh, outbound and inbound communications that uh, communicate with the outside world and try to attract uh, ideal clients into your into your funnel and then sales tends to work toward the bottom of that funnel where uh, it's a lot more sort of hand-to-hand combat and uh, people working with other people going through the, the real diagnostic process and um, determining fit between whether the person has a particular problem and how the company can actually solve that yeah and you you must be unique that you do you fix sales and marketing plus product development problems how yes that's really where it stands apart there's a there's a decent number of folks out there that work on sales and marketing alignment uh there's even a term for that they combine the two words they call it smarketing okay and then what you know my my thing is it's three three maxims right the best sales team sales team in the world cannot overcome bad marketing and bad product the best product in the world doesn't sell itself and a website isn't enough so you really need all three and typically what happens is you know the sales and marketing team for them to be successful there needs to be a product or offering from the organization that customers want yeah they're usually left in the dark yeah one of my favorite examples of a product development problem is the Segway so everybody was excited about the Segway Steve Jobs was excited about it. I think he invested in the company and the, the Segway almost immediately went the way of a dinosaur because you can't park it anywhere. You can't carry it up stairs. You know, it's not lightweight enough that the guy should have put a little more thought into it and said, hey, I'm going to make one of these scooters that you can easily take onto a bus or a train or an airplane or carry up your stairway. And so it was a, it was a brilliant notion to make a self-propelled vehicle that takes up almost no space, but it didn't have a place in the world and I think now the Segway is mostly used for tourism people will rent them in groups to go on tours of cities so that's that's definitely a, a product development problem that could have been um, 
foretold if people really thought about it. I think you're right. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite products to make fun of too. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, though. You know, one of my one of my observations. It's hard to judge the quality of an idea. I, I, I often use the example of the first time I saw a camera on my cell phone. I thought it was the dumbest thing on the planet. And now look like you wouldn't be able to live without it. Yeah, and originally the, the quality of the photos was not very good. I took a picture of a moose uh, many years ago with my cell phone cam camera and you couldn't even see the moose in it. It was just such a grainy photo. But yeah, it the uh, Smartphone cameras have almost done away with uh, the uh, dig other digital cameras. They have, they yeah. have. So, so Eric, I'm, I'm still. I, I need to understand a little bit better how you go about helping people. So, do you have an example or a success story you could share? Of course, I've got lots. Um, <laughs> Good. Oh, I should. Eric, how long have you had this business? I started it four years ago. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Okay. My clients tend to range in size from free revenue uh, up to uh, my largest is a $1 billion division of a $3 billion a year company. Wow. Uh, the types of things I do are quite varied. Uh, so the examples I give are just small slices. Um, so oftentimes the, the issues that are brought to me are couched within some sort of problem around, Hey, we need to grow revenue. And, you know, we start in one particular area. And then, like I was saying, these areas of sales marketing product are so intertwined that we usually end up in a very different part from where we started. And uh, one, one favorite, fun example, I, this has happened a couple of times, clients often, prospects often come to me and say, hey, Eric, I need a sales process. And, you know, that's often looked upon as, oh, that must be the reason why we're not being successful is because, you know, we just aren't, don't know how to sell. <laughs> and I had one particular client who, you know, we got into the project and started evaluating, doing some root cause analysis and things. And uh, this particular person had a, um, a goal of having a, a new market segment that he was trying to break into of a million dollars a year run rate. And so if you do the math, uh, divide that by 12, that becomes $83,000 uh, a month. And the total funnel that he had of opportunities in his CRM was about 30,000. Hmm. And I had to say, well, you know, I can build you a pretty good sales process, but even if it were a perfect one and we were to close 100% of the sales in that funnel, we'd still be well short of your, of your, of your goal. So we're gonna have to look elsewhere because yeah. that's not the, it's not the root cause of the problem. Mm -hmm. And, uh, negotiated, uh, uh, a somewhat broader engagement where, uh, yes, we'll build a sales process, but we also need to figure out how to get more opportunities into the top funnel by looking at who your ideal client is, uh, where, where they are, uh, what messages are attractive to them, what modes of communication to them would be most likely to be most effective, and, and thinking about what 
what characteristics of those people would sort of say qualify them to be in the funnel to begin with. So that's an example. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that helps quite a bit. Do you, do you have another example you could share with us? Uh, sure. So uh, there is another client I had that is somewhat, somewhat, somewhat outside the world of um, of sales, but this was a particular case where the company had um, a call center of several agents, and uh, people would call in. No one ever calls the customer service department, by the way, Brian says, hey, just want to let everyone know things are great and I'm really happy and the price is perfect. <laughs> you know, it's always something's wrong, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so these call centers have ticket systems where they log the issue. And more often than not, the frontline people are able to take care of the problem. But in some cases, it would need to get escalated to you know a tech support team or the engineers or someone else that's able to get into the into the details and there was a small handful of of, uh, of tickets that were um, creating a lot of ruckus within the organization uh, you know thing folks would go outside the system and start emailing all the senior leaders and would create a lot of frustration and irritation and, and over communication of things and prolong the process of getting the problem solved yeah and so the uh, the client hired me to uh, come in and facilitate uh, what's and many people call Kaizen which is a, a, a process improvement exercise where we you know ultimately define the process uh, figure out where things are going wrong and then figure out ways to make it better sounds great um, signed the contract, bought my airplane tickets, was ready to go and started doing some discovery calls with the stakeholders. And uh, the second interview I did, uh, they sent me a process, di uh, sorry, a process document, 15 pages long, uh, pretty well, pretty clearly written. Inside of it was what they're, what some people call a RACI matrix, R-A-C-I. Oh, yeah. Are you familiar with those? Yeah, but go ahead and describe it. Yeah, so it's an acronym. The R stands for responsible. The A stands for accountable. The C stands for consulted. And the I stands for informed. And it goes through the various stakeholders and identify, well, who's responsible, who's accountable, who needs to be consulted, who needs to be informed. And you know, that was complete. There was a you know, change. A section at the end where all the changes had been documented who and why and what where they were improved and as an outsider I was able to read it and make perfect sense to me and I thought oh crap we're in trouble this isn't a process problem at all this is one of the best process documents I've seen in my life <laughs> <laughs> so I called my my primary contact and, and fessed up and said I don't know what to do um, we might be in trouble um, you know, we proceeded with the engagement anyway and changed course a little bit along the way. And this, you know, this has to do, this gets back to what we were talking about and, and, and the way that things are interconnected and the problem that is usually presented is not really the real problem. It's something much deeper. And, you know, being able to do the problem solving and figure all this stuff out is an important skill set. Yeah. 
And the, and the gist of, of what it came down to was a disagreement and misalignment on what the word urgent means. Right? So there was a matrix in this in this process diagram that had you could score an issue based on on urgency, whether it was highly urgent, uh, medium urgency, or low urgency. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the root of the whole thing was uh, two different groups having different views and examples of what thing, types of things belonged in the highly urgent versus medium urgent versus low urgent category. And going through the exercise of writing it down, defining what they words meant, using case examples, if you will, of things that were familiar with most of the people in the organization, was able to get all this stuff sorted out. Happy ending. Yeah. Would it help in that case to think of, instead of just urgent, important versus urgent? Absolutely, right? So it was, it was a matrix in the, ah. in the diagram. That okay. was, the other, that was okay. the other axis was importance. Okay. And then you combine the two to get scores, right? Uh, so if it was highly urgent and highly important, it was a five, which was the highest possible ranking of a ticket. And if it was low urgency and low importance, of course, then why are you bother me? <laughs> right, right, right. So, so we're talking about we're we're um, currently experiencing the coronavirus right now. So, as a sole practitioner, either for me or for you, what what is a good suggestion for somebody working remotely by themselves to improve and increase their marketing? The, like I said, I've been I've been working remotely and independently since since I started my practice. Yeah. Uh, definitely, things have changed uh, over the past four months or so. Uh, certainly, there are things that are no longer happening. Things that I used to use in my own uh, business development, most notably, face-to-face networking opportunities, um, you know, or conferences or things like that. They just aren't happening. So naturally that chunk of my calendar is pretty well empty. And the idea is to think about um, other areas uh, of, of, of where your prospects, customers, or clients might be. Um, I have a whole long list of what I call isms. And one of them is if you want to find a bear, you need to look in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds so obvious. But sitting back and, and doing the thinking of saying, well, okay, I used to go and uh, do face-to-face networking meetings. That doesn't happen anymore. What now, right? So, you know, I've gotten, like most people, gotten very comfortable doing Zoom meetings with, with people. Um, my experience is that most people are still pretty open to doing that sort of thing. Um, many of the networking events that I used to go to have moved virtually. And it's, you know, it's definitely a different experience, but, um, you know, it's a substitute. And, you know, we think about, about the sort of spectrum of companies and the way they've been affected. I, I think about it this way, right? On, on, on one side of the spectrum are businesses that require people to be within six feet of one another. Yeah. Hospitality, entertainment, that sort of thing. And, you know, they're hurting really bad. 
And then on the other end of the spectrum are companies that are in, not to be uh, dis, disrespectful about this, but are benefiting from this situation. Mm. So I have a client, for example, that uh, makes test kits for biological things and they were able to modify one of their products to test for COVID. Yeah, and right. That, their business is just screaming. And then there's the big middle ground, right? Where where uh, there might be just downward pressure on a particular segment or, or whole segments altogether within their portfolio of segments that your business um, targets that are hurt. And, uh, you know, so the advice is to stop doing what you're doing because whatever you were doing is no longer appropriate anymore and evaluate the situation and think through the sorts of things of, well, which of my customers are still doing business? How has their world changed? Where are they now? What problems have shifted to the top of their priority lists and how do I as a, as a solopreneur or business owner adjust to their new reality. Yeah. Yeah. So Eric, in, in your present company, have you come across any opportunities where you could directly use your engineering background specifically to help a client? Yes. Uh, so the example I use uh, with the test kit, I was I was hired to help write the uh, marketing materials, and um, by no means any knock on my client. The world of technical businesses have very technical things, and usually, you know, fundamentally, the only people that understand it are the the engineers. Yeah, and then they start writing. And then we get into big trouble. <laughs> because the only other people that have a chance of understanding what they're reading, uh, sorry, writing, are other engineers. Right. And, and again, this is absolutely no knock. I mean, you know, we wouldn't have all the amazing things that we have our, in our lives without the brilliant engineers that, that do it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And so in this case, I was working with draft, draft marketing copy and, you know, I'm a reasonably intelligent, educated person. And I literally was reading my uh, graduate level bio, microbiology textbook to understand <laughs> what was supposed to be marketing materials. Yeah. People aren't going to ask the second sentence if it's that complicated. Right, and you know the way I deal with it is this: if if the engineers can't explain it to me, there's no way their customers going to get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we start there, and and you know that's where I leverage my technical background. Um, you know, the the weird businesses that I've been involved with, I've been able to touch all sorts of different sort of disciplines within the technical world, uh, all the different sciences, all the different engineering disciplines, and. Um, you know, except for the most obscure sort of theoretical physics stuff or super advanced computer things, like I can usually figure it out or tie it back to something I already understand. Mm. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good. This has been really helpful, Eric. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground and, and I think uh, explained quite a few different principles and I see your 
your website is SMP Alignment, and like you say, people can remember that by the three words sales, marketing, product. And your email address is just Eric at SMP Alignment. It's Eric with a K. That's right. And I'll I'll put that in the show notes of this of this page, and people can get a hold of you uh, going through that and uh, find out more about you by going to your website. Is, is there anything else you wanted to share with the listeners? I'm glad to help anyone who might have heard something I said where a light bulb may have went off and said, hmm, that's interesting, I'd like to explore more. I invite any of your listeners to reach out to me and I'd be happy to take this dialogue further. Yeah, terrific, terrific. Uh, Eric, I appreciate your time today and teaching us some of these principles and sharing some of your success stories with us. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great day. You do the same. Thanks. Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rocking.